Hello and welcome to the podcast of Next Step Press, where we help you take a next step. You can find this podcast and other Next Step resources at www.findmynextstep.org. I'm Justin Rosso, and this is the second episode in a 12-part series designed as a companion to our newly released resource, When From Death I'm Free, a hymn journal for Holy Week. That's a combination of music, scripture, devotions, and visual faith experiments that provide a fresh, new, and engaging approach to this Lenten season. Today, we invite you to explore the second chapter of the book through our conversation with nationally recognized singer-songwriter Kip Fox. Kip's original song, On That Morning, is the focus of our conversation today. You'll hear Kip read the scripture verses selected to go along with his song, You'll hear me read the devotion from chapter 2. Then we'll get to hear Kip's music and some of Kip's insights into the creative process surrounding writing and publishing music. And we'll get a chance to talk about what kind of next step Jesus is inviting you to take as the conversation turns to the cross, the resurrection, failure, trust, and following Jesus. I recorded this podcast staring at the frozen waste of Lake Shemung in Brighton, Michigan, where the wind whistling across the ice had dropped the wind chill to the single digits. Kip, on the other hand, was pushing 80 degrees in Phoenix, Arizona. So we recorded this episode in two different time zones and two different temperate zones. But wherever you are in the world today, and whatever your weather is like outside, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Let's start with prayer, and then we can hear from singer-songwriter Kip Fox as we walk through his song, on that morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for being with us today. As we gather around your word, as we talk to each other and, and listen to you, as we wonder about what next step you're placing in front of us, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Give us insight and wisdom and understanding. Be with our conversation today and open us up to the thing you would give us through your word and through our relationship with other people who know you. Thanks, Jesus, for being with us today. Amen. The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Genesis three twelve to 15 All right, so Kip, uh, anything of that jumped out at you this time through Genesis chapter 3? Yeah, you know, I've read, uh, read this uh, quite a few times uh, in my life, and I've always loved this last line, he will crush your head, you will strike his heel. And one of the things that I noticed this time around is, where does the he come from? I am seeing God talking to the serpent about putting enmity between he and the woman. So it's uh, curious to me, I don't know if you have any insight on that. 
Yeah. Uh, so enmity is that first big word. Enmity means warfare. And, and I love this idea that from this point on, God has to put warfare between humanity and the devil because we're kind of on the same side. Uh, but I think you, you, you touched on it there. So between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, uh, that offspring sometimes is translated as seed. Sometimes in the translation, you'll even, even get like a capital S seed as a reference to the promise of the coming one. Right. So uh, this is sometimes known as the Proto-Evangelium. It's a Latin term that means the very first gospel. So looking back, we see this promise right at the very beginning of sin entering the world as the first promise of a savior, a seed of the woman going to come and crush the serpent's head. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, I, I would have never put that together. That it makes makes much more sense. <laughs> yeah, and that's re- it's re- it's really cool. Just the Latin term you just used. Uh, yeah, if I can't repeat it, but um, wow. Well, pro- proto like first, like mm-hmm. prototype, and evangelium like evangel right, ev- right. gospel. Proto evangelium is first gospel, and and really, as long as there's been church, that's been uh, uh, we've kind of looked back at that as the first gospel promise. Wow. So, that's so really let me. Cool. Let me kind of turn the page and just read now this devotion that's a part of this week as well. It's called, On That Night, Death Had Its Way. A venomous snake striking your heel is just as deadly as stomping on a snake's head. The question isn't which blow is worse. The question is, what happens next? From our perspective, after the fact, we usually view the death of Jesus on the cross as a victory for our side. And it is. But from Genesis 3 on, the death of the seed of the woman has also been viewed as a kind of defeat. The cross is the enemy winning. The open tomb is God overturning defeat. Jesus didn't deserve death. In fact, Jesus wasn't even subject to death. But the sinless Son of God submitted himself to death's authority, and death had its way with him. By the time the lifeless body of Jesus is tenderly laid in a borrowed tomb, death had won without remainder. But you know now, that's not the end of the story. What would change in your life if you knew down to your bones that even total defeat is not the final answer? What if your abject failure, your persistent sin, your heartbreaking loss didn't count as the final word? What if you had a savior who was completely defeated and still one. What would you do then? Jesus took a death blow and got right back up for you. Of this one thing I am certain I am blessed beyond compare Jesus saw me lost and broken and refused to leave me there. What a 
gifted is my Savior, long so deeply for my heart. Heaven could not hold his favor until I receive my part. On the earth he shared my burden, on the cross he bore my shame. On that night death had its way, but on that morning I was saved. That was Kip Fox's song, On That Morning, and I'm here with Kip Fox today. And uh, Kip, I just, I love the way that song captures the defeat of the cross and then the victory of the open tomb. Uh, could you tell me some more about how the, that lyric, how that refrain came about? One of the hard parts about writing a chorus is that you're trying to say things uh, with brevity. You're trying to, mm. trying to say things efficiently. Yeah. And so many times it's hard to really capture the full gospel story or what happens uh, in, in Jesus' death and resurrection in one little chorus. Part of that uh, was a struggle, but the other thing was just how do I how do I set up that last line in terms of speaking about Christ's death? I really needed to come to terms with the fact that th th this was death. This was mm. final. Mm. Um, I think sometimes it's easy for us to gloss over that, and and in a way, I think it's hard because we we don't fully understand the incarnation and we yeah. don't fully understand that mystery, and so to think of death being uh, truly final for Jesus uh, is really hard to juxtapose yeah. against his uh, his nature. So right. I wanted to make sure that that was said, that death did have its way. It was done. That's a brilliant insight, Kip. And that's actually some pretty deep theology. We often kind of give Jesus this get out of jail free card, you know, like he's mm -hmm. God. So the temptation couldn't have kind of all been that bad because he's God, you know, <laughs> or uh, we, we it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that Jesus was completely human like we are. Uh, and so experienced everything as a human being too. So in the death of Jesus, God is dying. God has become mortal. God has become subject to the authority of death. That's just, uh, I mean, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes in our theology, we kind of miss like the importance of the resurrection, except as maybe a footnote or a, like a, a receipt that the payment was made. And this refrain, I mean, front and center puts the resurrection on that night, death had its way on that morning I was saved. Is that, where, where did that come from? Where did you get that? I know that I do write a, write a lot of times about uh, Jesus' death and resurrection and you're right. It is, it is a really tough, maybe not tough's not the right word, but it is a very uh, acute sort of distinction to make. And I think in talking to a lot of my Lutheran friends who are pastors and worship leaders, because I do send my, my friends songs, uh, lyrics and say, Hey, mm. does this check out? How does this work? Especially my pastor friends. And, and I've, I've gotten that note before that, you know, we need to make sure that it's clear that it's in the resurrection that the victory uh, is held. And without that, you know, we're, we're sort of looking at an example of what mm. Jesus did. We're looking at um, the way of Jesus being, of course, uh, to follow him uh, into death, uh, which we do in our baptism, but we're also raised uh, mm -hmm. to new life in the new creation. So uh, I would, I would chalk that one up to, to good friends 
with good theology. That's awesome. Uh, at, at Next Step <clears throat> Press, we like to say we follow Jesus better when we follow him together. That's a yeah. perfect example of just having, having a community around you. You know, the, the Bible does portray Jesus' death as a victory sometimes. It has some ways of talking about that but it also reserves the final victory for his resurrection or for our resurrection too. So uh, it, it's not a zero-sum game. It's not like it, if Jesus' death saves you, nothing else can. It's Jesus' death that saves. It's Jesus' resurrection that saves. We already saved now, but but our full salvation happens when we're raised physically from the dead. So I kind of like that idea of the gospel being fuller, more, more kind of a, a, a river that pours over its its bounds you know uh, a full yeah. gospel you say it more than one way mm -hmm. when you were producing this did you think of it as a hymn i did yeah i don't write a ton of hymns it kind of always just comes out of uh where i start with with uh the lyric and the melody and the rhythm of what i'm doing and so when I began this chorus and even though I before I really had those words really uh, honed in, it felt like a hymn. It it had that straight rhythm of a hymn. And so I, I felt like then when I uh, went to the verse uh, and, and began to want to set this chorus up, that it would have that uh, that straighter meter to it. When you're using a more consistent rhythm, you can use a little bit more colorful language sometimes mm. you can use a little bit more uh, a little bit more liberty than you than you have when you may have to work certain things into uh, more syncopated rhythms so yeah from really from the moment that I kind of had this chorus it, it it's it kind of told me it was a hymn so let me just see if I'm tracking the creative <clears throat> process correctly just because it's interesting to me mm -hmm. it sounds like you started with that phrase on that morning I was saved mm-hmm and then you worked back to get the, on that night death had its way, on that morning I was saved. And then once you had the refrain in place, you worked the verses to set up the refrain and that's what gave you the feel of the hymn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, that's pretty close, I would say. It, it, on that morning, that phrase, uh, I knew that that's where it started. And that's essentially when, uh, when you're trying to write a good song and a good chorus, uh, if you have the if you have the that main idea in your mind, you want to make that the the landing spot. So, yeah, uh, working backward from there, it might have not have been as pretty as you described as chronologically uh, <laughs> right straight as that that <laughs> happens, of course. But yeah, it's interesting how you grab a nugget, grab an idea, grab that <clears throat> one thing that you know. That's that's the thing. I I think I remember reading somewhere uh, C.S. Lewis talked about. The whole Chronicles of Narnia started with a couple of images, like a yeah. lamppost in a snowy forest right. or a, a, a fawn with an umbrella. And kind of mm -hmm. from there, you wrote the story to make the, the images make sense because there's the images that had a lot of evocative power for them. I, I know that's happened to me in sermons sometimes, too. You've read the text. You've prayed for your people. You're trying to figure out what Jesus is inviting you to invite them into this week. And, and suddenly you get this kind of insight. There's this. This is the thing. If I can right. figure out how to set that up and go away from it, I'll have a sermon. Uh, thanks for talking about creative process with me. Hey, let me circle back because you said something that I, I'd like to double click on. Pages 23 and 24 have the lyrics. And mm -hmm. you said something like when you have a little bit more of a straight meter like a hymn, you can do something more creative with the text. Do you have any examples? Yeah, so there's the consistency of the meter for sure. And then and then even almost more official language, I, could, I would say. And in mm. verse 2 there, when I say... 
what a gift it is my savior long so deeply for my heart i feel like that could go in any song Mm -hmm. but for me to be able to use the word favor and part to say heaven could not hold his favor until i receive my part i think you know works in a hymn when it might not work in uh, a more modern song yeah so So it's slightly archaic language a little bit more formal and and hymns tend to be slightly archaic and that's one of the things that make them beautiful Love beyond all comprehension, God Himself becoming man, siding with the worst offenders, offering His holy hands on the earth He shared my. On That Morning is the name of the song. It's also the central idea that holds the whole song together. Kip, as we think about some of those themes and discuss the scripture here together, is is there any sense of a next step that you get, something Jesus is putting in front of you for this week? It's interesting. I, I've been dealing with a bit of reflection on suffering, some of it pretty tough, some of it uh, not as much, uh, but still anxiety filled. Mm. For me, as a next step, what I'm trying to do is focus on that morning, that victory, focus on the promises that God gives us that that he's He's won. And, and really even promises that, that he, he gives us through Paul and through James in their, their encouragement in our suffering to understand that it's giving us a new perspective, a different perspective, a way that we don't have to be afraid uh, because of Jesus defeating death. So for me, I'm trying to focus on that as I as I move forward. Thanks. That focus on Jesus' victory in the midst of suffering. Um, let me let me just repeat the promise back to you, Kip. In the in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the suffering you're going through, you can trust that this isn't about winning or losing. The victory's already been won. Uh, Jesus has won the victory for you, and he's with you in the midst of your struggle. Thanks thanks for taking that next step. Yeah, thank you. I personally, the, the fear of failure is something that I have every now and then wrestled with, sometimes more, sometimes less. And uh, it's strange places, the places that it would show up. I found the more, the higher I got up kind of in leadership, at least in a congregation, the more I carried the burden of the fear of failure. I didn't even realize I was doing it most of the time. But when kind of in a quiet moment, I'd sit there and reflect or, or pray through it, I'd realize part of what was going on is I was just afraid of, of being a failure, of, of people uh, kind of not being on board or hurting people's feelings or whatever. And uh, this this launching this next step press and, and doing what we've been doing here, kind of walking, stepping outside of full-time pastoral ministry at this point, uh, that was a big step. And part of what allowed me to take it, and part of what I've been experiencing in, in this ministry now that I'm doing, is a sense that failure is a part of it, and it's not the end of the world. Um, I don't think I could 
have started my own business and tried to do what I'm doing if I didn't have the absolute assurance from my wife and from my kids and from my Jesus that uh, if you do this for a year or two and it's an abject failure, that's, that's not the end of the world. You know, yeah, um, yeah. it's going to be okay. So being able to take that failure to the Jesus who uh, knew complete and utter failure and yet was raised to life in complete victory. Uh, that's, letting my failure be a cruciform failure. That has been really meaningful to me, and I think that comes out in this devotion a little bit. I will lift his name in reverence Until I have reached the end When I rise to stand before him I will sing song again on the earth he shared my burden on the cross he bore my shame on that night death had its way but on that morning I was saved on that morning Christ was raised on that morning I was saved. I've never released this song, and I think it's really neat, actually, that, that it's a part of this, this devotional because um, I think I did it in the in a worship service context years back, and I think you had maybe noticed it and asked for it after that. And hmm. um, it's one of those songs that I, I I liked myself, but as a songwriter who writes a bunch of songs and is always trying to use them and see if they're useful, uh, it's a song that honestly really has sat on the shelf. Um, I've used it at my congregation. I know one or two other folks that have used it, but <clears throat> I always have to discern and and decide what what songs are worth putting the time and energy and money into uh, mm -hmm. making available in, in that in that way and so to see it used here and to to hear from you that you were going to use it was really brought me a lot of joy just because mm. um i i thought you know what i i i thought this song was uh said that said what i wanted it to say i thought it expressed you know maybe in a meaningful way what god and what jesus has done for me means to me so it didn't have a next step, and and this was the next step apparently, hmm. and that next step was not up to me whatsoever, uh, which is something that I think is a theme with a lot of my songs. Trying to write songs every single day, trying to sit down and write every day, turns into hundreds of failures, and there's a lot of fear uh, every time hmm. you sit down to write, and, and folks listening will know that feeling. And so it was really actually interesting to hear and touching to hear you sit and talk about the freedom that your family has given you and, and the freedom that comes obviously from, uh, from God's promises in order to take your next step with, with Next Step Press. It really reminds me of the freedom that I have when I go to write. And to yeah. come from a place of freedom to say, I might mess it up today or I might, might not say exactly the right thing. Uh, this this t difficult conversation I'm going to have with my kid or with my spouse or with my coworker, it might not go great. And I'm okay with that. If it doesn't go great, I'll circle back around and we'll, we'll try it again tomorrow. You know, like 
it seems like everything is make or break. And there's a lot of Mm -hmm. freedom living under the grace that we're we're sinful, we're forgiven, and Jesus has us right where we are. So come on and and let's run an experiment. Let's try something and see if it works. And if it doesn't, let's try something else. You know, we're not we're not climbing a ladder to God. We're walking beside him. Fear starts to to go away and joy and, and sort of the knowledge of the foundation we have, I think, takes hold if we can focus on that. And maybe that's the next step. Get rid of the fear and, and you create a space for joy. That's, that'd be a great next step for Lent. Thank you that your music and your lyrics uh, are a part of this hymn journal. It's been a, a pleasure to work with you. Thanks, friend. You bet. It's a pleasure. And, and I just want to say I appreciate your advocating for my music. Uh, it's, it's deeply encouraging to me. And uh, I hope that uh, it's helpful for folks this season. On that night, death had its way, but on that morning, I was saved. That was Kip Fox. If you'd like to hear more from Kip, you can head over to www.kipfox.com. That's K-I-P-F-O-X.com. And I'm Justin Rosso. Of course, you can find some more Next Step resources at findmynextstep.org. Hey, thanks for joining us today. It's still kind of cold here at Lake Chemung, and it's still rather balmy in Phoenix, Arizona. But wherever you're going today, whatever your weather's like, whatever fear you experience in your life, whatever burden you're carrying, know that you have a Jesus who stepped into our life, who experienced everything we experience, who even knows what it's like to experience complete failure. So I invite you to take your failures to Jesus today. He walks with you. We'll see you next time here at Next Step Press, where we help you take a next step. Mm -hmm.